0: Why are you calling me?
1: This episode is sponsored by Hire.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on Ruby developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average Ruby developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations it's totally free for users and when you're hired they give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them but if you use the ruby rogues link you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead finally if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is you can refer them to hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job go sign up at hire.com slash i'm excited to tell you about a new sponsor of the show Rollbar. One of the frustrating things about being a developer is dealing with errors. Ugh. Relying on users to report errors, digging through log files to debug issues, or a million alerts flooding your inbox ruining your day. With rollbars full-stack error monitoring, you get the context, insights, and control you need to find and fix bugs faster. It's easy to install. You can start tracking production errors and deployments in eight minutes or less, or automatically create new issues in GitHub, JIRA, Pivotal Tracker, etc. We have a special offer for Ruby Rogues listeners. Go to rollbar.com slash rubyrogues, sign up, and get the bootstrap plan free for 90 days. That's 300,000 errors tracked free. Give Rollbar a try today. Go to rollbar.com slash rubyrogues. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 262 of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Coraline Ada Emke. Hey there. Jessica Kerr.
2: Good morning.
1: Sam Livingston Gray.
3: Because of the interesting word usements I structure.
1: I'm Charles <laughs> Maxwood from devchat.tv. Quick shout out about Ruby Remote Comp. Go check it out, rubyremotecomp.com. We have two special guests this week. We have Rashaan Stovall. Salute, And Noel. Uh, I'm not even sure how to say your last name. Your
4: last. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's, it's French, as this man just uh, saluted, but it's Guy. So Noel guy. Do
1: you both want to introduce yourselves?
5: Awesome. I would say that um, that is my government name, but throughout the community, they might not know who I am on this unless you reference to me as Snugs. Okay. Um, Let's just say that it's a... People often ask, where'd you get that nickname from? And I'll say, it's so old. Let's just say I'm happy I wasn't called Stinky back then.
4: (laughs) Noel, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Um, My name is Noel. Uh, I'm a software engineer. I work at Sensible.co, which is a robo-investment website that aligns your social values with your um, investments. I am i don't know. I'm not that proficient in Twitter, but I do go by the handle Mr. Burns. Uh, It's a play on my middle name and um, The Simpsons.
1: Awesome. Well, we brought you on today to talk about communities and mentorship. And you both recommended uh, something a little bit different from what we usually do. Do you want to explain what we're doing and then we'll kind of move ahead from there?
0: Next, talk about the Pomodoro. pomodoro. Oh,
1: I see.
5: We're doing the Pomodoro technique with it. The TLDR is uh, Parkinson's law affects us all. When we're passionate about something, we will exhaust the very last microsecond of time and use the excuse that I can't go to bed because the Internet's broken. So the Pomodoro technique allows you to time box things. It actually is Italian for tomato. You remember those little tomato timers? You would set for twenty five minutes, and then all of a sudden, your pie would hopefully be ready. So, just by time boxing the work that you do, and looking back in a reflection moment for five minutes, even even if it's just to go to the bathroom, that's always beneficial. Whatever you do in that five minutes is up to you. I like to go around and do a round of what did you learn, because you often are surprised by what other people have
2: learned. Little known fact: I'm actually getting pie at the end of this Pomodoro.
0: <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the <would be> tomato. <laughs>
2: Hashtag facts.
5: So uh, does that explain what a Pomodoro technique is?
1: Sounds good to me.
5: And because I like to ramble. So that kind of keeps me uh, keeps the (laughs) (laughs) fence.
0: Okay, so we're planning one Pomodoro. The 25 minutes is we're talking about community, and then we'll take a break and talk about something for five minutes. And then we're going to talk about mentorship in the second one.
3: Precisely.
0: And Sam, you posted the definition of Parkinson's law. Would you say what that is?
3: Yeah, I have I always have to look up these various laws and Parkinson's law says uh, work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion.
0: So we have limited time
3: for this its completion.
5: (laughs) Noel, would you like to kick us off?
4: I'm ready for this Mission Impossible. So, the community that I believe I've been involved in is Ruby for one and Ember for another. What I believe or how I see that they um, support and uh, help my growth in the community is by, um, I guess it would be the idea of welcoming new people, like regardless of where you're coming from. It's usually a sense of, so how did you learn about this meetup? What makes you so interested? in coming here, learning about frameworks and so forth and so on, and also bringing up interesting topics for the meeting meetups from um, month to month. Per se, with Ember, it was just a curiosity in trying to understand that framework and how they have, um, I would say, study groups, I guess, on, like, it would be either before or after a particular monthly meetup where you can go just try to pair up with someone who's working on the project or come in with the problem that you may have with yours. And it was like, no judgment, I guess, but I would say it makes you feel comfortable. I'll leave it at that. It just, it doesn't, there's no sense of non-inclusion.
5: Uh, so myself, actually, I actually uh, was in Virginia, down in Virginia is where I went to school, James Madison university, go Dukes. And um I, I had this calling. I knew that there was going to be an opening in the Ruby community. I got a, de- a degree in business, and it was a business decision for me to learn how to program. Uh, so I was knee deep in the Microsoft community, and then uh via Rosetta Stone uh, was they actually introduced me to Ruby with their development team. Um, and actually, was my first part of a, of what a meetup felt like and what a community was. I read the Four Hour Work Week. Actually, shout out to Avdi, who I don't believe on this call, but. uh um, ironically, we were on. The, I was on the boat in Miami, and I, I was thinking of the four-hour work week. And Obie said it on one of the podcasts uh, as one of his picks, and I was like, "It's serendipity." <laughs> um, and uh, I wound up. Next thing I know, by the time I got to Chapter Nine, I was packing all of my bags, um, one-way bus ticket to New York City, and I was off. One of the first meetup groups that I went to was the uh, was NYC.RB which i currently am the event organizer to now. Um, that was at Pivotal Labs. Back when Pivotal was maybe 15, 20 people. Now there are gosh knows how many. And also started a, uh, worked with another uh, meetup group. And <laughs> it's funny, Noel, so Jessica brought it up. I'm going to have to bring it up myself. I actually would like to go on record and to publicly give an apology to Sir Charles Maxwell, actually. Okay. And Charles is going to be like, wait, what? What part of the game is this? So back in around 2010, 2011, I was requested. One of the requests I had was to help start a meetup group called Ruby Newbie. And it was sponsored by NYU. And about a thousand or so people signed up for it. I probably taught about 1,300 people, if I'm not mistaken, over the course of three years. I know Um, where this is going now. Right, right. So th- there's there's no shade here, Charles. This is a gentlemanly thing here. <laughs> now, after a couple of years, I remember hearing uh, Ruby newbie and Charles had a, a valiant effort. I think it was great. I watched all of the videos, but I had felt some kind of way because I said, I was like, man, I've like dedicated so much of my life into like hundreds and hundreds of people in New York. And did he not Google to see that that was there or not? I wasn't sure. And I think I might—I sent some tweets in Charles's way, and I was just like, "Dude, man, like we were already there." And in retrospect, I remember Charles blocked me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, like what did I just do?" Because I have, as you as you heard, I've been listening to uh, Ruby Rose since like episode one, and I felt some type of way about it. And I said, "Whenever I see Charles, I am going to apologize to him because, as community leaders, that's not something that we would show in public." Um, but which we should show in public is when someone has us humble enough to say, I apologize. And, hey, the greater scheme of things, we're both trying to help the community. So I hope you accept my apology.
1: Oh, absolutely. I had totally forgotten about it. That's how offended I was. So I know. Was, <laughs> Noel
5: actually said, he was like, are you sure you're going to bring that up? And, and, you know, sometimes they say you don't want to let people live rent free in your head. And I was like, I owe it to myself to give Charles his deposit
3: back, if you will. <laughs> So Snugs, that uh, clicking sound you hear in the background, is Chuck unblocking you now? Yeah. Yeah, I might have to go look at my block list.
0: I find this really interesting because it brings up the part where you invest in a community and then like something totally random that's not directed at you can like appear to devalue that investment. And that's, on the one hand, it's a risk that we take by investing in anything. And on the other hand, I guess over time, you kind of develop the awareness of, oh, Maybe that
5: wasn't about me. Exactly. Exactly. Because you know what canceled all of that? When I saw the videos of the people who submitted to uh, Ruby Newbie for Ruby Rose, and I was like, you know, that's the reason why I do it, just to see that smile on her face. Like, I just learned something new, and someone accepts me.
1: Yeah, it okay, is so- It is interesting, though. And, yeah, I remember the email. I, I think I got an email and some tweets I think there were also a few other people that you mentioned that I wound up contacting and going, so, you know, what did I miss? And, you know, I I generally got a nothing. (laughs) So, you know, it was, yeah, we did it. And yeah, it was cool. And what you're doing is cool. And yeah, that was about it. Mm -hmm. But it was it was just interesting to me. You know, it was like, oh, wow. You know, I didn't know that I had stepped on other people's space. But at the same time, I was probably in a bad mood and just, I don't want to deal with this. And I blocked it. I blocked you. I apologize for that as well. Oh, no
5: worries, because when I went and looked at your Twitter profile, my hand was shaking and sweating, and then I saw that I could actually accept uh or that your profile was open. So the clicking you hear right now is me clicking follow on Charles' Twitter profile. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think um I think yeah. this is really important in a way because I think that we have a lot of a lot of people in the community who I was on a podcast on Saturday and the the woman who was interviewing me was talking about people with no home training. <laughs> I hadn't heard that expression since my days in Virginia where I grew up. I um, haven't heard it at all. Yeah, it's basically like a lack of common decency and um common sense. We see these like really public feuds sometimes and I, I think it's great when people in the community who do have conflicts resolve them in a mature, open, professional manner. I think it models good behavior for everyone else to follow, and I wish more people would do that.
0: Home training is like house training, except with your mouth, not your pee.
2: Nice. I Uh. like that.
5: (laughs) (laughs) That almost went over my head before I reached up and caught it, actually. (laughs) Well done, Jessica. (laughs) Nice. Um, So if you will, I'd actually like to approach this talk from the perspective of a community leader, Have you ever seen the movie Being John Malkovich?
2: Love it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's a great movie.
0: Recommend.
5: So so whoever has, if you can give a brief, uh, you know, a sentence synopsis of what it's like.
0: Oh, there's this weird tunnel. And like, dude finds this weird tunnel on like the seven and three quarters floor of some building. And he goes in it. And if you crawl into the tunnel, you actually get into the head of a different person. And the person was John Malkovich, who's like some actor. And then he gets to like control John Malkovich for a while until I forget what happens. And then it spits him back out the tunnel.
3: And dumps you onto the Jersey Turnpike.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. The exit Mm -hmm. is, is not the entrance.
5: Yes, absolutely. Um, So I wanted to approach it from that manner because everyone wants to be part of a community, but really to pick the brain of our community leaders, which I definitely call myself one. And I think I've earned those stripes, at least in my own mind. And I'm definitely sitting with ones that are as well. And just so, you know, we're not sitting on ivory towers. That's one of the reasons why Noelle actually came on board because, you know, the mentee is the check and the balance of the mentor, right?
1: Yeah. The, the thing that I like to point out, though, with the idea of community leaders is that some people get it in their head that they have to be somehow blessed or anointed to be the community leader. And in a lot of cases, all you really have to do is be out there and trying and helping people. And you Just sort up. of assume that role as you make a difference for more people.
5: Absolutely right. Um, so I figured that from the being John Malkovich part, we uh, I wanted to step through a little bit of my typical day. Yeah, go ahead. So have you ever heard of polyphasic sleep? Go ahead and put this link.
3: Yes.
0: Oh, is that the thing where you sleep and then you're up for a little while and then you sleep again?
3: Yes, ma'am. Yeah, our culture promotes monophasic sleep where you get all of your eight hours in one chunk. But polyphasic is – there are various configurations, right, Rashawn, of sleeping for different bits of the day?
5: Precisely. Absolutely right. If you nail it, then what happens is in Slack, your colleagues say – do you ever sleep? You respond to everything. (laughs) 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 So I get about three, um, I take about on average three, two hour naps on a daily basis has been probably about the past four to five years. And that just was what works for me. I often tell people, you know, do what's best for you. Um, Let's kind of calm down on the projections of what we do best onto others. Um, And then you can use someone's experience instead of taking their advice so I, after a couple of rounds of polyphasic sleep around 6 a.m., I do about a half an hour worth of yoga. And usually I'll, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, I'll the I'd run about 30 to 40 kilometers a day or week. Good God.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a week.
5: And I always joke in the community, I say the community's not that tough, you know, because you'll never be tougher than my football coach with the uh, air horn in your ear at five in the morning, like, get up. Get up! <laughs> so I'm cut from that cloth. Um, I think that's why I still run. I think I'm still running away from my coach. And uh, afterwards, I typically go into languages. Um, I've come to the point in my career where programming is actually easy to me. Um, you know, solving a problem is really the niche. Uh, the implement, the language is just an implementation detail. So I've gotten onto the next phase where I'm doing French immersion. So uh, my computer. And my cell phone, pretty much everything that I can control the locale of is actually set into French and it 's actually been a better learning process for me than than trying to read a book um just via iconography from things that we can associate with recently i've been and I' would typically uh do some studying with psychology for uh my, my guy I have a uh man crush on which is c g Young called gustav young um he 's kind of helped me understand my own brain so I can help other people understand theirs. Typically, I'm in what I call perpetual motion, uh, always moving. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm typically pacing or from city to city. I call it, or I call it perpetual retirement as well, uh, to where I'm traveling and, um, leveraging investment in other people's time, like Noel. Jessica, since I've talked to you last, which is about a month ago, maybe a month or two ago, I've um, been in 15 different cities speaking at from conferences to meetup groups to just going and saying, Hey, you know, you asked me to pair her and here I am. So, uh, I actually just took the train from Seattle all the way down to San Diego and stopped at every city in between. Stopped at each Pivotal Labs, um, all of the, you know, the go to people and even uh, the little people who are coming up to help them out as well. And, uh, that's usually how I start my day off. And um, then I'll go check my messages. Um, I'm averaging about three to 500 messages per day and communicating with about 100 to 200 people on a daily basis. Now, of course, I leverage other people's time with that. But, you know, once again, Timothy Ferris, he helped me mitigate all of that stuff. Um, but from traveling so much, that's allowed me to reach out and meet cool people such as yourself. And, um, you know, I was, I've i been able to pair with Jim Wyrick. May you rest in peace, actually. Jim, he helped me a ton in ThoughtBot. He called me a Git master. Um, and he said a lot of people aren't going to see what you see in Git, but uh, don't fight with them. Just let them learn in their own time. Corey Haynes, who's been on the Ruby Rogues podcast, him and I, we... We hacked it up a little bit on c Sharp or on his code retreats, which I love so much. Evan Light as well who does code retreats. I call him my muffin top. We share muffins all the time in San Francisco. I believe he's been on Ruby Rogues as well. And Yehuda Katz, who I often bump into in 7-Elevens. And so that leads, that introduces me to people such as Jessica, where Jessica and I just so happen to sit next to each other at the Distilled Conference and... Look at where we are now. I'm sitting here talking to Jessica and at all, and I am about as nervous and humbled as Noelle is. Um, so getting out there and, uh, you know, uh, I'm really exposing that as far as the sacrifice that I've put in my life to actually use these communities. I mean, some people ask me, they're like, you must have the 25th hour in a day because I don't see how you get so much accomplished. Um, but to me, it's just personal disciplines.
0: That was a lot. You have a busy day.
5: Yes, absolutely. I think it's from ADHD and being OCD all combined in the same, but I'm
0: finding my sweet spot and my balance. Uh, So one thing that I noticed there is that just pairing with random people can be a form of community building and leadership. Well, that's where it starts, Jessica. Starts one-on-one. If you think about it, when you come to the user groups regularly, and maybe you go to more than one in your area, and new people come in and they come to the groups for the first time, they see you as an example, as a relative leader. And you don't even realize when you're setting an example for people. And then if you offer to help and pair with people, yeah, that's leadership. And it scales up slowly.
5: You're right. That's how I met Noel. Uh, He tapped me on the shoulder on multiple talks that I had given. And he said, look, man, this is the third time I'm going to walk up to you at a podium and tell you I want to study under you.
2: (laughs) So in my opinion, and this is something I talk about in some of my open source talks, a community is not just a group of people doing the same thing. A community is a group of people who have shared values and they act on those values. So Rashawn, what are some of your values as a developer?
5: Some of my values as a developer I'll, typically, I'll start thinking of my mother, who's my business mentor, development mentor. She actually uh, was a programmer. I found out recently, which blows my mind. There's two things that I love: the two A words, altruism and autonomy. So, who can give me a definition of what altruism and a definition of what autonomy is? Altruism. The, you just, oh, go on. That's it in the, in your own eyes,
0: of course. Altruism is usually putting other people's interests at least equal with yours, and Autonomy, I think of as something that you grant to other people when you don't try to tell them how to do something.
4: I guess I t- can. Oh, no, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead.
0: No, um, go, go, go.
4: No, I was going to say, because I probably got the cheat sheet. Um, <laughs> is basically having empathy in the sense of understanding other people's points of views and so forth while the other would be basically giving that person or others the power to make decisions without having to come to that other person or go to a manager Um, giving them the confidence to go there and not worry if they're going to do something wrong
0: so in that case altruism is something you look for in yourself and autonomy is about other people's autonomy
4: in my understanding yeah
1: i mean you can definitely act to preserve your own autonomy but, yeah, I, I like the sentiment of you know allowing people to succeed or fail on their own and make the decisions that make the most sense for them because they are where they're at. And sometimes we don't always see all of the important parts of that, which, it, you know, if you're tying altruism to empathy, is a important part of empathy, uh, is recognizing that you don't, you can't completely empath with another person. This is
5: true. My mother s- <clears throat> says often to the, uh, that... There's a difference between empathy and sympathy. So always have empathy, 100% empathy, but have zero sympathy. That's a pity party. You know, I have empathy for when Noel is attempting to learn something new and we pair. Um, We figure out how we can remove those blockers. But having zero sympathy for, say, for instance, one of uh, the other individuals I mentor, uh, Lizzie, she often will hit me up and say,
4: I'm having fun. I'm sorry for cutting you off. We just hit that Pomodoro (laughs) I've been very quiet and letting people speak without trying to give warnings. But as um, Rashawn would say, uh, the question at this moment is, how do you feel about what you have done? Mm. Stars. Yes, there's stars. Um, There's categorical stars. Um, The Pomodoro? In the Pomodoro that I have, there's no stars. There's one star, which means happy. Two stars means excellent. Three stars means incredible. So to everybody in the call, how do you feel?
0: It's a very right-biased star system. It is, isn't it? And we don't have to use it. That's just part of one of the
5: apps we built. That's what it asks you.
0: (laughs) Sam (laughs) made a derp face in the chat. (laughs)
5: I'll start off. I I would like to have three stars, really four if I could, because I feel really good about what happened with Max and I. I, You don't understand how much that means to me.
1: I feel like it's been uh, three or four stars so far. It's funny because I don't feel any different. (laughs) because I wasn't worried about it before. Mm -hmm. But uh, at the same time, yeah, I mean, I feel like the conversation has been terrific. It's been helpful. It, It really illustrates a lot of important points about being a leader and understanding the roles that we play, not just in our own lives and careers, which is sometimes what we focus on, but also in the lives, careers and understanding and the way that people grow for other people.
2: So I'm going to say two stars because what I would like to see us do in our second Pomodoro, I think there there are two ways that you can communicate um, effectively to people. You can inspire them by example, and you can provide guidance to them directly. And um, I think that the first half, our first Pomodoro, has focused on inspiration but has not been terribly practical. So I'd like to see us swing to the more practical aspects of what we're going to talk about in the second Pomodoro
5: excellent you mean the actual how do you the how do you do it exactly yeah i spell the sizzle where's the steak (laughs) great and what did noelle yourself and then we can do a round of what did we learn
4: well for me i think i would say i'm um excellent i would that would be two stars or so um it's still the idea of making sure my communication is good and what i'm trying to get across but it was excellent seeing my mentor resolve a issue that he felt he had with another community member. Um, so it was good to see that for him. It's, it was also good to understand from his perspective how he sees himself as a leader, reflective of me as a, a pupil, and how everybody else's perspective is on the community itself. What'd you learn, Charles?
1: For me, mostly, I learned that, for one, I need to have a little bit more empathy, just from the sense of I mean, our resolution there. it brought up, okay, well, you know, I, I just reacted, I blocked you on Twitter, and you know it, it made me think about, okay, well, maybe that wasn't the best way to handle that. And if I had really thought about how you felt, I
3: probably would have responded a little bit differently.
5: Wow that's fantastic. Sammy, what's up? What'd you learn?
3: I'm in to pass. Sorry, I'm not feeling especially engaged or like I'm having a hard time following this conversation this morning. Okay.
0: You know, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Sam some stars for saying that because just being able to acknowledge, well, for one thing, when you acknowledge when you're not engaged and feeling included and participatory enables us to change our own styles of discussion to be more inclusive to be more, I don't know, to make it work for the entire group. I like that because um,
5: imagine going through an entire show without exposing that information. That's one of the things about Pomodoros when you can step back and say, oh, wow, you know, I I put myself in that person's head for a
0: second. Or didn't find that bridge tunnel. And I wonder sometimes if our listeners ever feel like, man, what the heck was that? That just didn't say anything to me. And maybe it makes them feel better to know that now and then, We feel the same way.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. All right, let's start our our second Pomodoro and talk about practical ways to engage in mentorship.
5: Absolutely. I want to uh, incorporate Noelle a little bit more into this because why not have the uh, the mentor and the is mentee a word? I swear I'm how to spell it and I can't.
2: The the word is typically or the word classically was protege. But I think that that is a little ostentatious, if you will. So I think Menti is fine.
5: Gosh, why does it come up as red underlines when I type it? Well, that's a a question for uh, Apple, I guess.
2: (laughs) You can modify your dictionary to add it to the dictionary. So you have control over the English language.
5: I did not know that at all. As
3: do we all. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So uh what I'd like to let's start off with talking about people switching roles. Um Noel, we just we do that quite frequently in our day-to-day and in switching roles and in positions and uh passing on information. Can you touch on that for a little bit on what we mean by that from your perspective?
4: What we have at work is basically I I would understand it as people trying to educate others in different domains where it be marketing, software development, um, ESG. I'm talking right now, so hopefully Snugs, uh Rashawn can give a link to what that is. That's actual environment, social, and governance. And basically trying to give an overview of this information to other people that wouldn't be relatively nuanced in it. So we do pairings, and within our company, we try to basically not go more than 48 hours without touching base with somebody. In that sense, we make sure uh, the other person or the two people are, that are engaging uh, don't become distant, don't become disconnected on what is going on with another person's um, day-to-day work. It helps with the sense of where it'd be. If Rashawn were to pair with me and I just learned something, best way to basically understand it is explain it to somebody else. So we go through that many times at work so that's an example that I can give
5: so that would I would say be from
4: a micro level
5: um, your day to day you know doing pomodoros Jessica's actually been through the flow her and I have done multiple pomodoros together now I more, Macro level, the A's again, the altruism and the autonomy. So I am actually the event organizer for NYC.RB. It's one of the biggest meetup groups in the world, pretty much. It's the second biggest in America, uh, second to the one in San Francisco. So there's about five, close to 5,000 members that are there. And, um, recently I stood up and I told the recruiters that were there and the people who had jobs. I said, um, you know, pardon my French, but, um, cut the shit. And what I, I stood on record and said that, and what I meant by it was, we oftentimes say there's more jobs, oh, it's a booming j- industry, and there's tons of Ruby jobs, and they're all over the place. But guess what? I have, by the drones, people coming to me stating they want someone who's senior. And they want someone who's senior. So all of these schools, like say, uh, you know, Flatiron School and General Assembly, they're set up because there was a need to have developers. But when these developers come out, it's almost like they get the door shut in their face. Um, Noel explicitly came up to me and said that I couldn't believe what was going on in the industry with so many people shutting doors in the face of very talented people. But just because they don't have a computer science degree or they don't have seven years of Ruby experience? Yeah, I cre-
3: hear that a lot too.
5: Mm-hmm. Create an environment for them where you put them in a the sandbox. So Noel, for instance, he's I mean, he runs all of our DevOps-related things, and typically someone who would come in and be a mentee, you'd say, well, keep them away from the sensitive things like prod. Well, why not set them up so they have an ecosystem where they can learn on prod? I mean, really, they shouldn't they shouldn't be able to knock anything over, and you should be able to get things back up. But I told the entire community, I said, give these people a chance. I gave Noel a chance. I invested my time and effort in him, and I see this man shine on a daily basis, We're not doing enough of that. And what's going to happen, and I'm calling it, is there'll be a rift within the community where you'll have a ton of people who want to come and be developers, but they get the door shut in your face. They're going to find another community that accepts them.
4: I could possibly just give uh, a more of a clarity from pers- from my perspective where I would be looking for opportunity or anything like that, and um, not to be in my feelings or so, but it was the perspective of hiring managers, looking for particular people that resembled them and have the same background, and probably having a distaste for people that possibly couldn't fit into that diagram, I guess, like cross all the T's, dot all the I's, so to speak. So it would be a tougher hill to climb if you didn't reflect the vision that they had for what they want from that position.
2: It's really clear to me that the old way of filling development jobs with CS grads, a lot of people are still clinging to that, saying, oh, we need to get more people in CS programs. And I think what we need to do is be more open to people from different backgrounds. I don't have a CS degree. I know a lot of people who are very successful that do not have CS degrees. And our hiring practices need to reflect the fact that the population of developers that we are drawing from is largely not CS graduates anymore. It's people who are coming from boot camps. It's people who are self-taught. And we need to tailor both our interview process and our working environments to that fact. And I think a huge part of that in making people successful is people who are established already in their careers, remembering how they got started and working actively to bring people along with them.
0: Yeah, that goes back to mentorship. We talk a lot about needing mentors, but there's another side of that, which is uh, advocacy. Is that the right word?
2: I think it's a great word.
0: Because you don't get jobs from your resume. Typically you get jobs by knowing people and people love to hire the people they know. And so a big part of mentoring is of really helping people is also advocating for them within your company, especially. Somebody needs to say, hey, have you thought about promoting so-and-so? Because I think she'd make a great architect or whatever it is. Well, even And often just – oh, go ahead.
1: No, I, I, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were – but uh, this idea that you're talking about is something that I, – I mean, that's, that's what my book, Get a Coder Job, is about. It's about getting to know these people who can advocate for you because otherwise it's hard. I mean, th- this problem – I do the 15-minute calls with podcast listeners and – A lot of them are new and a lot of them are saying exactly this.
0: Hmm. It's like people are hiring for CYA to cover their butts and just make sure that they can't get in trouble. And one way to override that is through networks because people aren't as afraid of hiring somebody who was recommended by somebody they trust.
3: Yep. Right, which brings up that I think for those of us who are more experienced and maybe have a broader network, part of our responsibility as mentors mentors and advocates is to make our networks available to people who need them.
2: Definitely.
1: The thing that's interesting about what you're saying, though, Sam, and I agree with you, but I'm going to agree with you and point something out at the same time, is that I'm not comfortable making my network available to just anybody, which means I actually have to invest time in somebody to get to know them well enough to be comfortable going to my friends and saying, "I know you're hiring and this person over here is a good fit for you even though they're not they
3: don't check all the boxes on your job listing." Oh yes, absolutely, and thank you for clarifying that. You you do have to be able to make a meaningful recommendation both ways for that to work. Yep.
5: That's that's where the autonomy and the altruism come all in the same basket.
4: Um, it takes
0: altruism to spend, to spend time with people. Oh,
1: absolutely.
4: Yeah. Um, just to say how I started with uh, Sean, it was – I think there was a point of the – initial, the initial time was a prove it, I guess. A prove it um, um, probationary period where <laughs> I had to show that I wanted it. Um, Not to say that he had me do some menial work, like, are you kidding me? But it was to say it was on some, like, karate kid, wipe on, wipe off type of situation. Wax on, wax off, exactly. Wax on, wax off situation where you're doing something so simple, so easy, and you're really not understanding or grasping why... Is my mentor having me do this, but I was a humble person. Um, I've grown into becoming a humble person and being patient and listening very well to what he was trying to instill in me. So it would be that type of. Approach, I would say, for anybody who who is a little questioning of maybe wanting to bring somebody along but not knowing if they can trust them, it's seeing what level of dedication they have to the craft. How how serious are they about this? I come from a boot camp, and it's sad to say that maybe a couple of people that I know personally they lost some steam, they lost some. I mean, I don't know head first going into it because of a lot of dejection they got from hiring managers and basically they gave up and if they had like a mentor or someone to support them but give them structure it possibly could have been a different direction for them but it was a time where I I questioned I was like is this a joke like does he like seriously consider me someone to to, um, show some tutelage to but it was something to understand
0: so a big piece of being a mentor is it is finding the person to pair with and, yeah, as you point out, as Jeff points out, that's a time investment and a cost, and you want to make sure it's worth it.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, is that if you're looking at it just strictly from a financial point of view, is it worth it? Uh, you know, I mean, you can argue about that, but the payoff for me is seeing that I made a difference for somebody. And Absolutely. If, if that's the payoff for you, then it... It's totally worth it to put the time in. That's something that I've learned over the last year is as I reach out and help people, you know, be it by talking about things like this on Ruby Rogues or by sitting down one on one with somebody who just got out of a boot camp and is trying to find a job or going to the users groups and pair programming with somebody or whatever, and then seeing, hey, that made a difference. I mean, that's the payoff. You know, I go to the conferences and people tell me which episodes help them get their dream job. And that that's the payoff for me. And so if it isn't something that will pay off for you, if if that just doesn't get you up in the morning, there are other ways to contribute to the community that will. But I think a lot of us are people, and people like to connect with other people and feel like they matter to other people. And this is a terrific way to do that.
2: So on the topic of like, finding mentees. And what I did, I mentor four young women right now, two of them from a previous job and two of them from the interwebs. Um, I actually put up a survey. I put up a questionnaire and I asked questions about like what they're looking for in a mentor, some questions about their work style, um, what their goals were, questions to try and get to know them better and try to align that with like my values as a developer and what I think my strengths are as a mentor and select people that I thought. I could help the most and that I would be most successful in uh, building a relationship with because um, mentorship is a trust relationship and it's a commitment to someone else. And I don't think you can do that with a stranger and I don't think you can do that in a one-off situation and call it mentorship.
5: I have a question for Sam. Yeah. I like Sam. Do me a favor. Can you close your eyes, sir? Okay. No peeking. Can you bring yourself back to the moment in your career when you were just really stuck between a rock and a hard place in whether it be development or just a moment in your career and uh gosh which one <laughs> as far back as you can go sir well the time when someone stepped up and it feels like they just popped up out of nowhere or even you sought them out what was that feeling at that moment because you know you you sort of remember passing on the stone to whoever comes next but then there is this notion of homage as well that you pay because we all learn and then pass it on with our iteration to the next. Can you put us sort of in your head, Sir <laughs>
3: Well, yeah. Okay. So there was a time around 2008 or so where, uh, I had, uh, gotten laid off from one position and sort of scrambled to find something else and, uh, wound up, you know, working in a part-time position that was really not a very good fit for me at all. And then I got laid off from that. And so this was, you know, pretty hard. I also had a young child in the house and, you know, sort of adjusting to being a new parent and all of that was kind of difficult to deal with. And, um, I wound up getting another job that was, you know, maybe not the most functional environment as well, but it was still better than what I had before and uh then uh, I wound up talking to somebody who had been at that place before and was coming back to do a little bit of consulting. And uh wound up, you know, having some conversations uh, with that person about the environment that I was in where they were able to provide a lot more context about why things were the way that they were at this place. And that really sort of helped me understand what was going on, feel like it wasn't my fault. So that was really useful. And then, you know, coincidentally, they also happened to have a job come up available a couple of months later that I applied for. And uh, that turned out to be one of the best jobs of my career. So, yeah. Was that what you were looking for?
5: Absolutely. It's just um, what it did was I was typing in the the message that um, his eyes were still closed. Cool. He's feeling it. What you felt there, we can't forget that.
3: No, absolutely not.
5: And can't forget it in action as well.
0: Yeah. And everybody that you think is a leader, there's somebody there who was there for them in a moment when they needed just that encouragement. Sometimes, especially starting a new job, I find about three or four months in, there's usually this period of, I know nothing and I am useless.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't stop feeling that for the first six months.
0: Yeah, it takes a long time.
3: Even now when you're experienced, when you're an experienced person, right? Yeah, yeah. Every single new job, it's, it's minimum three and sometimes up to six months before I feel like I have any clue what's going on.
2: GitHub is such a complicated culture and such a complicated system. Yeah, I feel, I'm feeling that right now with my job there. I'm only, um, not quite two months in and it, there's just so much to absorb.
1: Well, and I'm self-employed and. I experienced this myself. Where's the next chunk of money's going to come from? Where's the next job going to come from? Where's the next, what am I going to do now? You know, should I change what I'm doing and try something different? Should I, you know, make contacts over here or should I go to this conference over there? And there's a lot of second guessing. And I have two groups of people that I talk to, mastermind groups, that provide this sort of thing here. So, you know, what we're talking about with having people who can push us along the right way or help us make these connections or whatever it is, you know, you think self-employed people have it all together. And that's definitely not the case. And we need this, too. And we get it in those ways.
0: Just those little encouragements. Yep. Of, hey, you're doing cool stuff.
1: Yeah. Or even I have this expertise that you seem to lack. Let me help you with that.
0: Yeah, that- like a couple months ago when Snugs helped me with CSS and HTML, and I was like pulling my hair out. I was trying to learn Elm, but I couldn't make a stupid page do freaking anything. I, how do you get that one thing next to the other thing? And like an hour spent with someone who was not only knew what he was doing with CSS, but had learned it recently enough to be excited about it still. That's the best.
1: <laughs> well, everybody does that with CSS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Guilty.
5: Guilty as charged. Max, I want to say thank you too, sir, because actually, uh, I'm not, Thinking World Rich, that's one of the books that I keep in my repertoire. I consider it a lifetime book that I'll always go back and reference. It's a great one. Um, and I've read about the mastermind group, but it was actually you probably earlier in the Rhodes podcast. I think it was in the 100s where you were talking really heavy in your, about the mastermind group. And went out and started myself one as well. And I think now, you know, I have multiple Slack channels, but there's literally hundreds of people that, you know, I consider part of mastermind, extended mastermind. And it's, it's an awesome thing to be able to have that support structure around you. And that's no matter how
1: uh, long in the tooth your career is. That is so true. And if you ever get into a mastermind group that works, Oh yeah. You'll never go back. You will, you will start mastermind groups trying to recreate something that works if you can't find one that already exists.
0: Is that like a group of people who talk to each other or something? What is this thing?
1: So in Think and Grow Rich, he explains that multiple people working on a problem or thinking about a problem is better than a single person working on a problem. And so it's a mastermind in the sense that it's multiple minds working on the same problem. But what really makes a mastermind group work is, and it, it varies from group to group as to the size. Most of the ones that I've seen usually range from about four to six Unless they have a professional moderator that can take them to eight or ten. But anyway, what happens is everybody in the group is committed to the success of everybody in the group. And what that does is it creates an environment where I can come in and I can be completely honest. I can come in and say, I totally screwed this up. Of course, I tend to do that on the Internet anyway. But (laughs) I totally screwed this up. I got it wrong, or I'm struggling with this, or my kids are going to starve to death because I can't get this right. And it doesn't matter what I've done. I've got this group of people that I can talk to, and they will work. They'll do whatever it takes for my success, and the I, in turn, will do whatever it takes to help them succeed. And so it's not just a group of people you get together and talk to. It's a group of people who are invested in each other and are willing to do like i said whatever it takes to make everybody in the group succeed. So even though we're not all doing the same business, we're not all working on the same projects, in the end, at least for the hour or two or sometimes outside of the group if we need help, you know, we can get together with the people who can help us along and that can be encouragement, it can be help, it can just be knowing that somebody's there. I've been a mastermind you sharing groups. your network? Yeah. I've been in mastermind groups where somebody was trying to quit an addiction, smoking other things, pornography. Some people are trying to quit looking at pornography for, you know, personal reasons. So just the fact that it's like, look, You know, if you get tempted at 2 a.m., call me. You know, it's important to you. It doesn't matter what I feel about it. It's important to you, so call me. If you're thinking about going and getting that drink, call me. And just having that lifeline for those things is important. But then also, yes, I need help with WordPress. And it's, oh, well, I know a WordPress person, and they hook you up. Or I'm trying to find work, and they happen to know people who are looking for people to hire. Or whatever, and so it can extend to the your network and it can, it can extend to your skills. It can extend to your outlook on particular things. Any of those things are fair game and everybody is willing to share.
0: There's some community, yeah. some very deliberate community.
5: What I'd like to make sure we emphasize on is there's this notion of homage and also the ability to pass on the torch. So for instance, homage my mentor, um, his name's Tom Ornini, actually, who I highly recommend even that he uh, will be a great interview for Ruby Rose. But uh, you may know him. He founded Engine Yard. sure we all have heard of that. We've been around long enough. Um, but Tom and I, we pair as frequently as we possibly can, oftentimes on a daily basis. Um, you know, it's ironic, our engagement. He doesn't accept cash when he works on projects. He only accepts Bitcoin, but that's another story. But to see my mentor actually to learn from him and to even be in a situation where uh to employ him give him projects as well so it really is full circle when i see noel and tom pairing together and i jump on a hangout with them for a pomodoro oh man it's that, it just warms my heart it's like seeing the person who is your protege you know conversing with your mentor and you know the banter between that it's it, it's a surreal feeling man.
4: yep So nice clothing right there. That's another Pomodoro clothes right there, people. So um, as Jessica said, what have we learned?
5: I learned that when I asked Sam to close his eyes, he actually closes them and goes back in time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thanks Sam for that story. What I learned from your story and then the conversation that followed was that, well, mentorship is an ongoing commitment. We can still help in little mini ways by giving each other encouragement, telling people they did something good, and also sharing skills in one-time increments, you can make a big difference to someone doing that. And who knows? You might just run into someone that you want to mentor or who will mentor you.
2: I learned about mastermind groups, which is pretty cool.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, what I learned about Sam's
4: experience with that job, which was uh, very enlightening from a person just coming into his... Chuck?
1: So... For me, it was kind of a reminder, not necessarily something that I learned, but something that I had forgotten and relearned. And that is that no matter where you are on this journey, you know, as Jessica and Sam and Coraline all pointed out, there are hard things to learn, even for people who have been doing this for a long time. And so when it gets really rough, when it gets really hard and I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm the only person that deals with this. I'm supposed to be the expert because I'm the guy on Ruby Rogues and I haven't a clue what I'm doing that's just not true that even experienced people run into problems that they don't know offhand how to solve. And sometimes it's hard. And in those situations, there are a lot of ways to handle that.
5: Well, the best part about that, Chuck, is you have a new person on your mastermind group who is w- willing to be a sounding board to you. And that's in, in myself.
1: <laughs> awesome. I appreciate that.
5: Yeah. See, and I think that's good for what we, uh, what we learned here. I definitely learned one other thing that I wanted to make an, a, a note to, uh, I learned that it's validation in what I've been doing with my life. This isn't just my career. I've actually taken a vow um, in my life on this path and mentorship and development, uh, not even just so past development recently. I don't know how personal it is, but I've actually taken a, um, a vow of celibacy. Um, and also um, that includes marriage um, and childbirth. And, you know, maybe I see more in the future of uh, some interesting things scientifically. But at least for now, you can only speak for right now on what's been done in the past. I've been on this journey for about 33 months now. And it's because that's where I get my 25th hour in a day. And I often tell people what that made the insecurities sometimes come out. Um, Anyone that knows me know I love children and I love the construct of uh, being with someone for an entire life. However, that's what works for other people. What works for me is to nonstop give of myself to myself and to others. You know, I have a pairing session that's going to be at 1 a.m. in the morning because of someone's time constraints, (laughs) but it's life for me. It's not just a career. There's anything that someone can take away from that if they know anything about myself.
1: Very cool. Well, I have about 10 minutes before my next podcast, so I'm going to push us to picks. Sam, do you want to start us off with picks?
3: Sure. I just got one quick one today. Uh, Snugs mentioned in the pre-call that uh, he likes reading RFCs, uh, which reminded me that I really have only ever read one of them in any depth whatsoever, and that's RFC 2119. And this is a document that gives precise definitions to the phrases must, must not, required, shall, shall not, should, should not, recommended, may, and optional in such a way that you can indicate levels of what is required, and what is maybe just a really good idea. So I I constantly come back to that, especially when I find myself typing should or must not in all caps.
5: The real question is, do you use all caps? Oh, ah, you got me. He's faster than a New Yorker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jessica, what are your picks?
0: I don't have any picks today.
2: Okay. Coraline, what are your picks? I've got a couple of picks they are related, and they are related to mentorship in a way. Um, my first pick is a talk by James Edward Gray, our very own James Edward Gray, from RailsConf, called Implementing the Large Hadron Collider on a Whiteboard. It is a talk that is about technical interviews and sort of a survival guide for technical interviews. He covers the basics of big O notation and some of the other sort of core concepts that I think, unfortunately, a lot of um, interviewers still rely on. But he is coming from the perspective of someone who conducts technical interviews for a company that really values sort of the CS skills. And uh, so he had a lot of tips on how to navigate those and how to prepare for those. Very practical talk. And I think it could be a help to a lot of people. In that talk, he references a book, which is my second pick, called Cracking the Coding Interview by a person named Gail McDowell. The book has almost 200 um, programming exercises or programming questions like, oh, how do you work with a binary tree? How do you invert a binary tree? How do you solve the sorting question? And walks you through the solutions. Unfortunately, the book's in Java, but the code is pretty readable. And it's a way of preparing for coding interviews as well. And I've actually um, used this book in a mentoring situation with someone who wanted to focus on developing their technical skills. We actually take one of the questions per pairing session and work through it together um, so that she gets a better sense of how to implement some of these classic programming challenges and feels better about her job prospects. So that is my second pick and that is it.
1: All right. I've got a quick pick here. It I'm trying to think of how to put it because I've talked about this before on the show. But anyway, I've kind of had this refocusing on my health. And so there are a few things that I've picked up that I'm trying to do better with. One of them is, is just walking every day. So I've been trying to walk for an hour every day. Related to that is have 10,000 steps every day. And I got a Fitbit 1 to do that with. And that's been really nice just to be able to do that with. My Pebble Time watch does fitness tracking, but I found that it's not as accurate. So, um, anyway, I've switched over, and I'm pretty happy with that. So, yeah, so I'm just going to pick Thinking About Your Health and the Fitbit one. Roshan Snugs. Yes, sir, Charles. What are your picks?
4: Uh, My picks
5: are, I would say, uh, Block & Flow App. Um, That is www.blockandflowapp.com. Um, same with self promotion, but it's a uh, Pomodoro app. You can it's actually better suited to look it up on iTunes. You look up Block and Flow app, and it keeps me focused, man. It keeps me from spending eight hours reading RFCs and writing code for twenty minutes. Try to reverse that a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, right? And my second pick, I would have to say, is Sensible. That's actually a project that I'm working on now. I'm the chief technology officer of the company. Noel is a uh, lead developer on the project and it feels with socially responsible investing, censibl co, And so essentially it's guns and butter. So the people who would go into a restaurant and say, I only go here because they have recyclable napkins might actually, um, once you're past saving, want to invest in said restaurant or invest in Tesla stock as opposed to putting a $1,000 down to be on a uh, layaway wait list. So, uh, sensible.co, it allows people to really be mindful in their investments. And those are my picks.
1: All right, Noel, what are your picks? Oh, I get picks. Awesome. Heck yeah.
4: <laughs> um, So I, I believe I have two picks. One is a more development standpoint. Heroku pipelines. If anybody has ever had the pain of having to duplicate code in multiple repositories and then push that to multiple applications or hosting sites, it really does ease that pain in the sense of just having one repository, whether it be in GitHub Bitbucket, wherever you like, and just having that replicate on multiple applications that are ephemeral in that standpoint of as Heroku Pipelines allows you to have a workflow through your environments and see seamless actions and allow um, stakeholders to review features or topic pull requests or branches in the application format before pushing it to staging And furthermore into production. That's my first pick. And my second pick was a conversation. I'll send a link. It is a dialogue, I so to speak. And it takes into account, I haven't fully finished it, but I really do think it's insightful in the aspect of understanding conversation and Knowing the difference between dialogue and discussion and being able to listen and talk with a person without trying to control the conversation.
1: All right. Well, uh, if people want to follow up with either of you, see what you're doing, follow you on Twitter. What are the best places to do that?
4: Okay. so... On Twitter, um, my handle is Mr. M R Burns, B E R N N Z. And I think I replicate that across a lot of other sites Facebook, Instagram. I'm not often on that stuff, but I do follow a lot of other people. So that's where you can find me.
5: Uh, myself you can find me at uh s-n-u-g-g-s-i snugsy on uh twitter instagram and facebook i'm gonna have to find that person who's got snugs without the eye charles i'm gonna have to block
4: them <laughs> 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 oh man
5: too funny all right thanks, thanks so much gang uh this has really been an honor to me and it's um this year has been so humbling for me uh you know the meetup that introduced me into the community i actually am um I'm the event organizer for that meetup as of this year. And the podcast that I've been telling people for years is the number one podcast uh, in Ruby. I am actually on said podcast right now. You have no idea how much this podcast has helped myself and my career throughout the years. So just paying a little homage to Ruby
1: Rose. I, I love. I, I have to say, I love hearing that because, I mean, we talked about it before, but that that's the payoff right there. You know, we made a difference for somebody and now you're making a difference for other people exactly
0: yeah this has been a really interesting episode yep not the standard so thank you for that
1: yeah awesome two thumbs
5: up you never know what you're going to get with me right Jessica (laughs) you're
0: probably going to get Pomodoro's though
1: that's
5: right (laughs) hashtag facts
1: alright well I've got to jump off and get ready for the next show so bye everybody we'll, we'll go ahead and sign off and we'll catch you all next week bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly the world's fastest CDN deliver your content fast with cash fly visit c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y dot com to learn more would you like to join a conversation with the rogues and their guests want to support the show we have a that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time you can sign up at rubyrogues.com slash park